God is so good. You know, we just finished our series on pursuit, and and we're talking about um, a new. We're starting a new series today, and I'm excited about the new series. And it's when you pray, and uh, that's the name of the series because we are going. We're we are created to talk to God, and some some people say, "Oh, great, you're gonna." You're going to talk about prayer for the next few weeks, you know, then there's reasons that you may feel that way, and I'm going to talk about, about it, but uh, the, the title of this message is Teach Us to Pray, and if you've, if you've called yourself a believer, been a follower of Christ, and you've not prayed or, or learned how to pray or pursued prayer, you probably have been pretty disappointed in your life. Because prayer is really a central part of being a believer. And um, if you're going to calibrate your life, if we're going to be calibrated, like if you've got a lot of things going on in your life, around your life, and they're just like out of control in your life, the one thing that pulls all of that together is prayer. It's the thing that ties everything together. I, when, um, as a kid growing up, my dad would always... My dad was a, an evangelist for many years, and, and we'd be driving down the road, and my dad's telling me what I should do is, you know, I know my dad's trying to mentor me to be a pastor, and, and I, was, I already told him I was going to be a lawyer. So it didn't really matter what he was saying, but he used to always say stuff to me. You ever had, your parents ever do that, like tell you something, and you're like, I'm not doing that. And, uh, but he used to always say, James... There, you have to find a time when everything around you is falling apart. You got to have a time where you get your your compass to true north, where 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 there's something stable that you're standing on. And if you have a lot of things just falling apart around you, or chaos around you, or you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, the place you find stability is when you go to the Lord and you pray, and you talk to Him. And He and and my day. It was when you went to your knees and pray. But how many know the knees haven't lived up to doing that at an older age, right? Um, so now it's sit and pray. <laughs> it's a little, a little easier. So wh- wherever you're at in your life, I, I want to really encourage you, and I've been praying, and, I'm, and I've really been seeking the Lord. Lord, help the people of Bethel's Rock to become people of prayer. You know, I was... Back in November, I was praying, and I heard the Lord. I felt like I heard the Lord speak to me and say, you're not a praying church. And, uh, and I'm like, well, Lord, you know, as a pastor, when you hear that, that's pretty tough because that's a pretty central thing to what you want to be. And, and the Lord just said it again. You're not known as a praying church. And he wasn't talking about the world. They have no idea w- what we are, Right. But the heavens didn't know us as a praying church. And, and if I can take that a little bit closer from 30,000 feet to 30 feet. We the church. You're the church. He wasn't saying the staff is in a praying church. He said the people of Bethel's Rock are not a praying church. And a lot of that responsibility falls on me because I haven't really even communicated or even given the Holy Spirit an opportunity to transform your lives in prayer because I haven't brought it up. Is it all my responsibility? I don't, I don't think it is. But we all got to stop and say, Am I a, would heaven know me as someone who prays? 
And there is a whole lot to talk about when it comes to prayer. And if you will open your heart, don't get offended. Some of you are like, I'm offended. He doesn't even know who I am. How does he know that I don't even pray? Well, God knows what you do and don't do, right? That's why we move Wednesday nights to prayer meeting, and it's why you should all be here on Wednesday night, because it's the most important service of our week is Wednesday night. The, the reality is, and I, and I hesitate to say this because there may be a few of you take me up on it, you should, if you had to choose between the two, you should probably sh- choose Wednesday night and not Sunday morning. That's how important it is. You say, well, why? Because th- there is something that happens when we come together in agreement and pray. And, and I'm not going to talk about that aspect of prayer, but I, I want to bring up why in November the Lord had already spoke to me about we're going to do this series on prayer, and it's got to be one of our primary pursuits, and we're going to talk about a lot of prayer. And, and I believe the Lord is going to call us to a place of prayer individually, that even though right now you may think to yourself, that's just, I'll, well, I'll give you, I'll, you'll know why in a moment. <laughs> so a, uh, Abraham Lincoln said this, uh, he was a man of God, and most faith-based speakers before ascending to the podium are likely to pray, without you, Lord, I will fail. But Lincoln prayed, without you, Lord, I must fail. What an incredible statement. If, if you're not praying, you will fail. You must fail. That's, that's an incredible statement. Matthew 6 says this, and when you pray... And when you pray, it evokes the question, when do you pray? And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you that they have received their reward in full. But, say it with me. Okay, that was really messy. That was... That was horrible. We need to work on it. I'm going to say but, and you're going to say when I pray. Okay? We got it? But go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Okay? I'm going to read that last part because it's incredible that... This, this was not recorded when Jesus said it, someone was scribing. They didn't have like a courtroom uh, scribe that was typing everything Jesus was saying. This was actually recounted by the disciples that heard it from Jesus. And the, and the detail they remembered was go into a room and close the door. Isn't that interesting? Go into a room and close the door. If you heard Jesus teaching you to pray, those are details that must have been important if it's what the disciples recalled. Go into a room and close the drawer and pray to your Father. See, prayer time, there's different types of prayer. You say, well, why would I come to a community prayer if it's supposed to be in a room closed door and I won't get a reward? Because that's different. There is prayer that God's calling us to where you go. It's very intimate. And, you know, because of younger ears in this room, there are times in your marriage where you shut the door. Do you all get what I'm talking about? Right? To your bedroom. Right? You all know what I'm talking about? Why? 
because it's intimate. It's not for anyone else. When you go into a room and shut the door with the Lord, you're saying this is an intimate time with the Lord. It's not for anyone else's consumption. It's just me and him. And you're giving him that time. And it's very important to the relationship. You don't need it in religion, but you do need it in relationship. You can't say this is all about relationship, not religion, if I never spend time in relationship with the one I'm saying I'm in relationship with. Then he sees what you've done in secret and will reward you. Is it possible? Now, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. You know, we can get defensive. But is it possible in some cases we're praying wrong. <laughs> what? No. Any way you pray is okay. Just any way you pray, is, that's just fine. There's, there's, there's no way that's an issue. Just any way you pray. But is it possible that how we're praying has been wrong? And here's why I would say that. The disciples who had been raised with memorized prayers, taught how to pray by religious leaders... And if you go to Israel, as we did in, in October, we stood at the Western Wall and they put phylacteries around their forehead and on their wrapping them on their arms and on their wrists and they're rocking as they stand and look at one another, repeating, reciting, memorized prayers, really disconnected from what's coming out of their mouth and what they're looking at. And they're just rocking. And yet Jesus talks about those type of prayers. And the disciples would have been raised in that. They would have been taught how to pray like that. But when they see Jesus pray, they say to Jesus, teach us to pray like that. Why? Because they realize that our prayers never get answered. The prayers of our parents never get answered. They've been praying, and it's not like they expect them to get answered. They just keep praying them because that's what you do if you're a good Jewish person. You just pray those prayers, and you have to do it at a certain time. It was never about a relationship with you. It's just what you do if you're going to be a good Jewish person. And they're like, but you talk to God differently. You have this thing that you go through. And, and Jesus, will you teach us how to pray. Will you tell us how to do it? Now, here's the trap in this is I tell you, you know, if I came up to you and I said, hey, I heard you pray at dinner the other night and it was really actually wrong. How many know that you'd probably be like, I'm a little offended, but you wouldn't call it offended because if you're offended, you know, that's on you. So you say I'm hurt because then it puts it on you. Like I'm hurt because you did it and it was all on you. If I say I'm offended, that's on me right? And I got to deal with it. So we can get hurt. So I don't want you to get offended because you'll get mad at something that I will say and get offended what I say because I said it, but it's really what Jesus said. So if you're going to get offended, get hurt by him. Okay? I'm only, only going to tell you what he said, right? Or you quit. You just quit. If it isn't easy, if it isn't going to be easy to figure out how to do it, or if it isn't going to be easy, like if I can't just know how to do it, if I got to actually learn how to do it, then I'm done. Imagine what your marriage would be like if that were the case. You know, if I got to change, then I'm not in this thing, right? How many know you got to grow and you got to change? And here's, here's what's interesting. Prayer is so important 
that you can't afford to walk this Christian life and not grow in your prayer life and how you pray. You say, well, you know, the reason I don't pray in public is because uh, I'm just not good at it or, or I just, I don't know how to do it. And then we think that's some excuse. Well, okay, if you don't know how to do it, then we need to get together and you need to learn how to pray. Because you can't really survive in this relationship with God and not be able to talk to Him and not have a comfort level to be able to talk to Him and not really to understand how to pray. So I know there's some people that are hearing this this morning and God's going to so put a deep desire in your heart, you're going to find a place in your house, you're going to buy a chair, you're going to put the chair in there and you're going to shut the door in every day because God's going to radically transform your life and that's what's going to happen. Tomorrow morning, you're going to get up and you're going to say, in the next 30 days, I'm going to see if what he's saying is true and I'm going, to, I'm going to sit in that chair, shut my door and I'm going to just start praying and seeking God and I'm going to do this because God transformed my life that Sunday morning when he talked about that. But there's some of you in this room, it's not going to be that way. It's going to be a step of faith even when you don't have the desire where you're going to step out. And, and, and if you're going to take those steps into that kind of prayer life, what would be your first step? Here's your first step. Pray first. Here's what you do. It's very simple because how many know that the Lord is with us? Like God's here right now. Yeah. Like someone's visiting. He's here. Where? Like I got as far away from him. I did some bad stuff this weekend. Right? You know, God, if he saw you and you did some bad stuff this weekend, he wouldn't even bring it up to you because he just loves you, right? Here's where you start. You wake up in the morning, your peepers pop open, and you say, hey, God, good morning. So good to start my day just talking to you. The first thing you do in your day is you pray, and you start talking to the Lord. Then then you, uh, before you go to bed at night, the last thing you do before you go to bed at night is you talk to the Lord. You say, Lord, here's a pretty rough day, right? You, you go into a meeting. Before you ever go into a meeting, you pray. Before you ever get into a discussion with your kids or over your kids when you take them to school, I, I firmly believe the reason our kids experienced the type of experiences they had in school was because every single day, they could not leave our home without my wife praying for them and covering them in the blood of Jesus. It works. Say it with me. It works. It works. When you go into a tough meeting, say, hey, God, I'm going into a tough meeting. Will you shut my mouth? You know, your tongue may be uncontrollable, but you shut the mouths of the lions. Will you shut my mouth so my tongue can't say anything? Like, excuse me? Nothing. Right? Will you shut my mouth and not let me speak? The first Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always. Somebody needs to rejoice. Amen. Pray continually. Pray continually. How? How do you pray continually? In every situation, you pray first. You put it before the Lord. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. And in the moral decline of the society around us, we, we, have, we have gotten upset about it. We've tried to have a voice in it and attack it, and we haven't prayed about it. Listen, 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 listen. Is everyone listening? How many have Facebook or Instagram or social media? Okay, make this a rule in your life. We'll see, Pastor. You're not my boss. 
made this rule in my life. Before you post anything on Facebook, ask yourself, have I prayed about this? If you're not coming to prayer meeting on Wednesday night to pray about all the moral decline, you should never post about it. You should never post about it because all you're being done, and you think, well, I put some real truth on there. All you did was you were being used of the enemy. You burned your influence. If you're not praying about the president, stop complaining about him. If you're not praying for your spouse, stop complaining about your spouse. If you're not praying, why? Because this is what happens. If you're not praying, you're hopeless. It's when you pray and you go to the Lord that you become hopeful. Prayerlessness leads to hopelessness. When we're prayerful, we become hopeful. We start seeing the path that God, because I'm, I'm spending time with the Lord. I see the future because God opens my eyes. You know, I've been asked, what about the revival that's going on in Asbury? <laughs> I, I think that's the funniest question. Is it real or not, Pastor? Okay, okay. Let's just put out the facts. College students spending all night praying Is that not the stupidest question I've ever heard? Is it real? I mean, think about it. Do we need to say anything else? Isn't it insane how there are people who call themselves believers and then want to attack something that God does in God's way? Right? If you don't like it, zip your lips. 2 Chronicles 7, 13 through 14 says, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send plagues among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. But it requires us to begin to seek his face. We will spend more time practicing for activities that we'll, we'll get too old to play later on. And we'll let our society to go to hell in a handbasket and never come to a place to seek the Lord to change a world for our own children and grandchildren. So how is, there, how is your prayer life? How's your prayer life? What a great question, right? Isn't it crazy how, if I were to ask you personally, and I won't, how's your prayer life? Your answer would probably be one of two things. Well, I don't pray as much as I should. Or I don't pray as good as I should, right? Isn't it crazy how we, we look at prayer and we think, boy, I really should pray more. Well, why do you think you should pray more? Because I just should. I just should. Can I tell you something? L look at this statement on the screen. If the reason you feel you need to pray more is because you feel bad that you don't pray enough, you will never pray more. The reason you don't pray more, you pray as much as you believe you need to pray to be okay. Your perception of prayer is the very thing that's preventing you from praying more. Because if you understood what it really was and is, 
you would, you would be in that state where you always wanted to pray because you would realize how it's the source to every successful thing I'll ever do in my life. It's the source of favor in my life. So what are the excuses for not praying? Here's the first one. I am not good at it. I'm not good at it. Isn't it amazing how people who have either just gotten saved and they listen to someone praying in the King James. Lordeth, we cometh todayeth to presenteth our liveth toeth youeth. Cometh from heaven and delivereth us from all evil. And people are like, wow, God has to answer that. I mean, <laughs> that is just amazing. And, and the reality is, is that in itself is, is th the thing that's preventing you from growing in prayer is that you look at someone who prays, and I mean, in a serious note, people, when they pray, you know they spend time in prayer because they, they just talk to God in this relation, and it's, but it can be intimidating to other people. And here's the problem. The first hump you have to get over when you don't think you pray good enough is humility. Because the thing that prevents you from praying because you hear something, is not that person praying to the Lord. The thing that prevents you from praying like that is pride. And in order to connect to the Lord, you, God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. You have to lay down your pride and say, you know what, I want to be a part of this, and it doesn't matter how I sound, I'm just going gonna, gonna to pray, and I don't care what any of you think, because I want to be part of it. I used to play, I played basketball in college. And, uh, and uh, we had some good players on our team. And, you know, when, when I'm on the bench and they're playing well, you know where I want to be? Not on the bench. I want to be playing with them. Even though I was nowhere near as good as them, I want to be out there with them because I enjoy just being around them on the court. When someone's praying, you jump into that and you start praying. We had someone, in, uh, a gentleman in Cannon Falls, really just a godly man. He said to me, in there, we're having prayer meeting on Wednesday nights, and we're going into that. And he said, well, I haven't prayed in 12 or 13 years publicly. And I said, really? And, and I said, well, he said, so I don't know that it'd be any good. And I said, you know what? That's okay. You just bring your amen with you. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I said, all we need is your agreement. We'll pray. You just agree. You just say amen. And so when we say something, we're praying, you just say amen, because the Bible says we're two or three agree concerning anything. So we'll do the praying, you just do the agreeing. And he started agreeing, and he got agreeing to the point at the end of the prayer meeting, he wouldn't shut up. He started praying, and he just kept going on and on and on, and it just started flowing out of him. We're like, okay, we're at our time, man. Like, it's good that he got set free. It's like 12 years of prayers just all came out at once. And we're agreeing with this dude because he's, and, and now he just is involved, publicly involved in prayer. Why? Because, because it went from being this formality to being, I want to be, be a participant. I don't care what you think about how I pray. And when he started, it was stumbling and it was all over. And we're just agreeing with the stuff we're agreeing. And it opened up the door and he didn't let pride prevent him any longer from being a part of it. Here's the second excuse. So you say, I'm not good at it, so that's why I don't pray. Well, you'll never be good at anything unless you do it. You have to grow. That is a terrible excuse. I'm not good at it, so I won't do it. So you weren't good at walking, but you kept walking. You weren't good at eating a steak, but you figured it out. 
right? You weren't good at almost anything in your life you weren't good at, but you did it, and you grew at it. Luke, Luke 18 says the Pharisee, there were Pharisees. Jesus tells the story of the Pharisee and said, we've fasted and we do all these things, and Lord, thank God we're not like this man, the Pharisee over here. And the Pharisee said, I'm just a miserable sinner. Will you have grace and mercy? He came to him humbly, and God heard the Pharisee. When you pray, you don't come like I just, I come humbly. You start humble praying. You say, I sound terrible, but I'm praying anyway. And you keep that humility even as your prayer life grows, even as you pray begins to grow. Listen, there are a lot of people that sound incredible, but they're not praying God's will because they forgot to listen to what God wanted them to pray about. You just listen to what Lord wants you to pray about, and then you pray it. I'll get into that a little more. Second excuse is we run out of things to pray about. You're like, yes, I'm going to pray. I'm all in. Monday morning, I get up. I'm going to spend one hour in prayer. I got my chair, shut the door, and I got my, and I start praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying. Man, that was a good hour. And I look at my watch, nine and a half minutes. <laughs> what? Nine and a half minutes? I thought it was an hour of prayer, right? You run out of things to say. And then you sit there and you're like, what should I say? Here, here, here's the reality is, and, and, and I know there are many people that, that come in, maybe you're here and you're saying, I just don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I do. It's essential for a believer's life. You're a body, a soul, and a spirit. When you got saved, the spirit man was birthed inside of you. He has a language. And that language, that spirit is the perfect part of you. And that perfect part of you has a perfect language completely tied to God's heart. So when you pray in the spirit, you pray perfect prayers. When you pray in English, you pray your will be done. When you pray in the Spirit, you're praying His will be done. Because it's His will, right? Now, we got a ways to go, so thank you for playing, but we're going to be here just a little bit longer than that. Here's the go. Number three, I pray prayers that do not have sound theology, right? I pray prayers that don't have sound. So we hear people praying theology prayers, and they got all. And listen, God understands, right? And as you grow, but. that is no excuse for not praying. And there are sometimes people will pray prayers and the theology is messed up. I have prayed prayers and the theology is messed up. I've even stopped in the middle of prayers and said, I just prayed something that wasn't biblically true, so I need to change it. Anyone ever done that? Because, (laughs) and then people do what you're doing right now. They laugh at me because they're like, even the pastor needs to go back to college. (laughs) Right? Here's the fourth excuse. I hate praying. I've had a bad experience. I just don't like praying. I don't want to be a part of it. It's boring. I just don't. I, it's, there's a lot of prayer meetings you've been to where it's been a funeral service. It's like, oh, it just forever, it goes forever. There's nothing ever feels like I'm wasting my time. I feel I hate it. You go to prayer meetings where you get together in circles, you know, where they do that. How many have been in those prayer meetings where it's the squeeze the hand to pass to the next person? All right. So you're like, you pray, you had it, and then everybody prays around the circle, and you just dread it, you're sweating. And then, the, and then right before, the guy right before you prays everything you thought you were going to pray. <laughs> like, thanks, dude. Right? 
then you all know what I'm doing, and then it's like they squeeze your hand, and you just squeeze the other hand, like squeeze, squeeze. <laughs> Pass. I'll come back next week. Catch you next week. Uh, right? We had that, or, or when you're a kid growing up, some of the prayers that we pray, I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die, a three-year-old just going to bed. Now he's awake, like, die? You mean I could die <laughs> before I wake? <laughs> right? So maybe you have a bad You just don't like the prayer thing. Here's the thing. I know you may not like it and you may not enjoy it, but God didn't really give us an option. You have to navigate through where that hatred is coming from or why you hate it because it isn't coming from God and it's, in, it's keeping you in bondage because a life without prayer is not freedom. It's like, it's, like trying, it's like being almost totally blind that you have to wear glasses to see anything and losing the thing that helps you find what you lost. If I lose my glasses, the thing that would help me find my glasses is lost. When you lose prayer and you hate prayer, it's like losing the thing that helps you find the thing. We need to push through that. And then the fifth one is prayers don't work. Prayers don't work. And the disciples would have even said prayers don't work. It wasn't that prayer didn't work. It was how they were operating prayers didn't work. So Jesus says, or the disciples say one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so he gave them the Lord's Prayer. And many people have recited the Lord's Prayer. And it's an outline. It's not a prayer. It's, a, it's not like, well, I prayed because I said the Lord's Prayer three times this week. You just said the outline. Jesus wasn't teaching them another memorized prayer to pray like the Pharisees were already praying. He says, these are the components of what you should be praying. These are the things. So the first one is connect with God relationally. Our Father in heaven, right? Notice he doesn't tell them to pray to a woman. He doesn't tell them to pray to a man. He doesn't tell them to pray to Thor. He doesn't even tell them to pray to Jesus. This is an interesting thing. In fact, when you go to the New Testament, again and again, Jesus says, pray to your Father. He said, I'm the way to the Father. So you start up our dear Jesus. And Jesus actually said, you should say, dear Father. It's your Father. It all comes back to Father God. Says, don't approach God with fear. He's not looking at your failures. He's not, he's not focused on that. He is your father. Call him father. He's your provider, protector, promoter, preparer. And maybe you had an absent, abusive, or an aloof father. Today, God's going to heal that perspective in you because you need to see your godly, heavenly father as a God that loves you. Because Satan wants to rob you by using your earthly father as an anchor to never know what a father is meant to be in your life. Here's the second thing. Worship his name. Hallowed be your name. This is an, this is an interesting thing. Because whenever we sing songs, 
like, how great is our God? Everybody's like, bellows it, right? They were quiet on the other songs that we can't sing. But when it comes about lifting up God, everybody like shouts, even the people who can't sing. They're just like yelling it, right? How many know what I'm talking about? Because something in you wants to worship God. So the first thing you do is you get to that place, say, Father, I recognize you're my Father. You'll care for me. I get my mind straight. Secondly, I worship him. He is my provider. I worship his name. He's Jehovah provider. Lord, my healer. Lord, my shepherd. Lord, my righteousness. Lord, my sanctifier. Lord, my banner and victory. Lord, my peace. Proverbs 1.8 says, God's name is a place of protection. The righteous can run there and be safe. And then this is the third thing. And this is where I think a lot of people miss it because we think of this as a democracy and not a kingdom. We pray his agenda first. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And this is the part where I think we go right into what we want to ask. How many know what I'm talking about? We don't make the king first in our prayer time. We make our needs first. And whenever you put your needs first, it's a wall. Here's why. The next thing you do after worshiping him is you open your ears and you listen to what he wants you to pray about. And I don't understand how, why it works this way. I really don't. But for some reason, for God to move on earth, it requires us to speak it out on earth. We reach up into heaven and we grab hold of God's will and desire in heaven and we release it on earth through prayer. God, for some reason, determined when he created this universe that that would be how the economy worked, that he would do it with us, the great co-mission that we are the ones who release on earth what God's doing in heaven through prayer. I don't understand why, but that's how he works. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness and what? Everything else will be taken care of. In our prayer time, we seek everything else and we think God will just take care of his own. If he is the king, now please hear this. I've said it already a few times, and I think for some it's just went over their head. There have been people that say, I don't pray because my prayers don't get answered. What they mean is, God doesn't do what I tell him to do. And so I no longer pray. Let me say it this way. The king doesn't obey me, so I don't believe in him. We, we don't pray. We don't listen for his will. We want him to know what my will is. He already knows what it is, but we don't know what his will is. So if anyone should be listening, it should be us. We need to listen to hear what he's saying so I can be obedient to the king and what he wants first. And I have to change my attitude to say, you know what? You're my king. I'm going to be obedient because it's not a democracy. You're not voting God out. 
We don't pass laws and then get a bunch of people to sign a, you know, sign a petition so that, hey, king, we sign this petition. In Moses' day, the earth opened up and swallowed them when they did the petition. <laughs> right? Hello, I'm the king, and I'm a father, and I love you. Right? Are you with me? So when you pray, the first thing we do is say, God, speak to me. What is it I should pray about? What is it that you... And you know what? God will do 100% of what he tells you to pray about. You will find incredible success when you pray his will. And it teaches you to listen to what he's saying. Uh, Luke 12, 31 says, He will always give you all you need from day to day if you will make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Then he goes in to depend on him for everything. Give us this day our daily bread. Right? Our daily bread. So he, he says in here, in Matthew, he says, When you pray, do not babble like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. So literally... This is how we pray about our needs. We don't spend a half an hour praying about our child unless the Lord really wants us to because there's a place of intercession for that. We say, Lord, you know where my child is at. And I'm asking that you'd bring them back to understand you. You already know all the details more than I know. So Lord, I just pray what you're telling me to pray for my child. And then when it's done, it's done. I don't beg because I'm the son of God. You don't beg. Sons and daughters don't beg. We don't babble. We just say, this is where we're at, Dad. This is what I, I'm asking for. And God already knows. And if you've already put his agenda first, he's already working on your agenda. Here's the next spot. It says, get your heart right with people, God and people. It says, forgive us our debts as we forgive debtors. How many want to be forgiven when you mess up? with God and with people, right? You reap what you sow. Now, I, I want to, I'm almost done. <laughs> Do you know Jesus has one prayer request that only you can answer? He goes to the Father and he says, let them be one as you and I are one. <laughs> That's amazing to me because most people can't explain the Trinity because they're one, but they're three? But they're one? But they're, like they're all one? Yeah. And he, he, Jesus says, Father, help them to be one as you and I are one. There's only one prayer request Jesus asks you. Forgive. And when you come to time in prayer, you say, Lord, search my heart, O oh Lord. For what? For any relationship that is out of order. Search my heart and then give me the ability to forgive them no matter, no matter how bad it was. Search it. And the Lord will because you invited him to come in and do it. Every day you say, Lord, search my heart. It's why we're doing this Kairos retreat. This is a, this is a very intimate retreat. It's not a public event. It's a private event. You're coming to a place where you're going to meet with the Lord individually. If you've not signed up, friend, you should. And there's only a limited space left. You need to sign up before the end of the day before, so you have a spot. You know, 
in Psalms it says, investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I'm done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. Then he goes on, engage in spiritual warfare and do not allow me to lead into, be led into temptation but deliver us from evil one. Do you know how many times, do you know th that the enemy has demons focused on tearing your life apart? You know what I love about the truth, though, about this whole economy? God has twice as many angels building you up and protecting you, right? And so we recognize when we get in spiritual warfare for our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. So we fight in prayer. Here's the last one. We express faith in God's ability. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Leave your prayer time in faith that God will accomplish what he said. Why? Because God is able. If you leave your prayer time discouraged, you didn't pray to God. You were talking with a demon. Because anytime God's presence enters your prayer time, it will radically change your attitude. It'll radically, if all you were doing was complaining, it'll get worse. But if you're going and you leave God, you have the ability to do everything we talked about. So I leave, even though I may not see it, it's not the substance of things. It's the substance of things hoped for, evidence not yet seen. My faith has increased because I've seen you. So I don't have to see it to know it'll happen. I know God's working on it. And we said, oh God, you have the ability, you have power, you're able to do that. Look at, look at what it says in Luke. Luke chapter 11, 9 through 13. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He is a good and faithful Father, will you stand? If there is this thing in you where you're like, you know what? I just don't really want to pray. Will you close your eyes? I'm going to actually ask that question. I want you to be honest and understand your response. I want it to be honest, but it's not going to make me think you're not a believer or not, because I understand this response. If you're someone, you're saying, I really struggle with prayer. I don't enjoy it. Raise your hand. Raise it up. Say, I really don't enjoy it. Raise your hand. Be honest. Be honest. Come on. Be honest. Okay. You can put your hand down. Okay. And the reason you don't is because the enemy has put something in there to rob that, that literally from you. And it's okay. Every, all of us, there are a lot of people that didn't raise their hand because they didn't want to be honest. They're afraid about what, and, and that is pride in and of itself. But if you were honest and you raised your hand, I'm going to pray for you right now that God does something incredible. Just open up that part aspect of your, your spiritual walk. If you have a father that has been aloof, abusive, or absent, I'm going to ask the Lord to heal that relationship in your mind so that you can see God differently. And I believe he's going to do something today. You ready for that? Because he's here. Holy Spirit, Father, we come to you today. We know you're here by your spirit. And Lord, I pray that you just send your spirit over this room, through every aisle in this room, back and forth through this place. 
you see those who have had a father relationship. You've, you've known it from the beginning that that earthly relationship has hindered the relationship with you and how they see you. Lord, right now, I pray that your spirit would just touch them. Just touch their heart. Heal that heart right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, allow them to begin to see you differently. And I pray, Lord, even as you're doing that in this room, as you're doing that, Lord God, I, I also ask as you're going from person to person in this room, that they would even sense a new, like a well, like a cap of a well opening and this desire to want to talk to you, just want to pray to you. Lord, that this passion would just well up out of them. That their heart would just want to pursue you, Lord. They wouldn't allow the excuses any longer to keep them from experiencing what it's like to be in your presence. Lord, we give you permission even though you're the king to enter our hearts because we're your temple and begin to work right now like only you can. And I don't even know how to pray for it, Lord, but God, I pray that people across this room right now would sense even what I'm sensing right now. An incredible, overwhelming sense of your presence just filling this temple in the name of Jesus. Jesus.